Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Brave New Workforce. I'm joined by Larry Cornett, Triple Dell. My name so happens to be Anna Kudina today. We'll see what it is tomorrow. Um, <laughs> today, we're talking about some amazing things about mentorship. Right, guys? Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. the topic. We're, we're that excited. is the topic today is mentoring. <laughs> Can you be any more excited about this topic, you guys? Um, I am excited. I just don't show it well. Well, I mean, mentorship, okay, to be serious, mentorship these days is can can be kind of difficult, especially in a digital world. How can we find people that can guide us through our careers when we're so kind of dispersed all over the world? Um, mm -hmm. How do we find a good quality person? Because there's tons of, you know, weird internet things you could do to make five cents on the dollar or something, and it's just not conducive to anybody's time. Uh, I'm not going to say anything, but, uh, but drop shipping comes to mind. Uh, and there's tons of little online communities that just kind of, you know, pay me X amount and we'll, we'll get you rich real quick. So how do we avoid that? How do we find good quality people that can get us to where we want to go career wise and um, achieve our goals? So that's what our, we're talking about today. I mean, Larry has, uh, I feel like, the most experience out of all of us due to the fact that he runs um, a coaching business um, and he's been in the right. industry. I for... do that too. I'm just, I'm just don't do it as much as Larry does. I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to ignore you, Trip, because you're moody as much today. As Larry does either. <laughs> you, you, you will soon. You yeah. will soon. Yeah. I mean, okay. So Trip also does it, apparently. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. Well, I think I can, think I, can thing, I get back to chewing my cranberries now? Yeah, okay. you, you chew because because I think it's go. it's helpful to to set this up a bit because from my point of view, the idea, the concept of what a mentor is and who a mentor, what the role a mentor plays in someone's life, has become super diluted and fuzzy. So a mentor can be like, oh, I'm having a mentoring conversation over coffee. To me, that's not mentoring. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, the word mentor comes from Greek myth. It's, it was the name of a character from the Odyssey, mm -hmm. and it was uh, somebody that the main character, Odysseus, put his, put his son in the charge of mentor. It was this older person mm -hmm. who was a surrogate father to his son. Right. And that has, that was the, the traditional understanding of what a mentor was. It was a very special relationship. I did not realize Larry was my surrogate father. This, this changes things. I've known it. I've known it, but I didn't <laughs> want to tell you about that. All right. Do I have two surrogate fathers? Is this something? You're lucky. You're so lucky. <laughs> um, I'll just be your annoying older brother because I, I, I exactly. can't go there. I don't, I, I don't want any responsibility for, for, for me, okay. any of that. Right. Well, no. well, why don't we take a step back and like really define what mentorship is in today's age? I know you kind of briefly did a historical reference there, Trip. Thank you, uh, older brother. And so that's, let's... That's the <laughs> thing I do. <laughs> so what is really a mentor? I mean, like, it, what's the difference between a mentorship versus coaching versus... Um, An advisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, and then I think, like, in a professional context, I mean, it's almost like a very special relationship you can have is sponsorship. Mm. Yes. And, and that's... Super all, valuable. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's something we'll get to as well, because I think in a corporate context, that traditional understanding of what a mentor was, is this surrogate sort of older 
uh, mm -hmm. more mm -hmm. senior person that takes you under their wing and helps yeah. helps grow you. Uh, that's what a sponsor does. And that's not necessarily what mentorship has become. So I think it's helpful to kind of understand that, that spectrum of mm -hmm. relationships to understand yes. exactly what you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Cause I think the terms become overloaded. I think the expectations have become overloaded that people are hoping to find one person that can be everything that they're going to be their mentor, their advisor, their sponsor, their coach. And I think one of the, the good things that's come out of the, the more digital relationships that we have is you have access to a larger range of people. I mean, globally, all over the world. So you can kind of tap into that knowledge and wisdom of somebody for specific needs. So not expecting that person to help you with your profession, plus your ability to do public speaking, plus your ability to get a raise or promotion. You know, it's just, it's too much to expect from one person. So I think one of the benefits is that now you can, you can reach out to certain individuals that have maybe a specific talent or skill set or a background that you're interested in and have a much more targeted conversation around that specifically versus expecting somebody to be the end all be all solution for every professional need. Cause I think that changes too over time. Like that person, I mean, mm -hmm. if you're, if you're with that same person and in that same relationship with that person, for a very, very long time, and it, the relationship doesn't change, then you need to find a new mentor because you're not growing. You you mm -hmm. eventually outgrow mentors. That's right. That's I right. I agree. Yeah. That's um, absolutely true. So uh, the way I would kind of define it is a mentorship is you get both, uh, both people get something out of it. You know, the mentee kind of understands a, a, a larger amount of expertise, whereas the mentor understands kind of the, what, what the younger people are doing or, um, are struggling with today or having challenges that they might've forgotten about because they're so advanced in their career. Um, and then compare that to coaching. I would imagine that's something more like, uh, you're paying somebody for advice. You're paying for their expertise that you otherwise don't have in your kind of a uh, close pool of friendships or network. And you're trying to get to somewhere quicker than massaging those relationships from 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 your network, and then um, when it comes to sponsorships, that's something I think is a close relationship with your network. However, a sponsorship is somebody that uh, is vouching for you and the quality of work that you do, not necessarily trying to help guide you through a career change or an advancement right, right. of career. Um, what do you guys think? Do you guys? Differ, I, upgree, disagree. Well, I would got to say the sponsorship comes with a degree of risk for the sponsor because it's yeah. what I've seen internally in the company is that a sponsor is willing to put their neck on the line for somebody and say, this person is ready for a promotion to the next level. Here's why I believe so. And if that person lives up to it, great. If they don't, people kind of look at the sponsor like, you vouched for this person. You said they'd be a good people manager. They suck at it. You, I mean, we're not, we're not going to trust your judgment going forward. So it's a risky relationship for the sponsor. Well, I think the other thing too is, I mean, it's, it's complicated because there's vested interests in every one of those relationships, but the nature of the interest is different. Um, so for example, um, Somebody that is a peer and can give advice or maybe a slightly older peer and advice, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about this. You're actually asking for information, access to information that they know or, or expertise that they have. 
uh, around a particular domain, I wouldn't categorize that as mentorship. I, I would actually categorize that as like, I owe you a favor. I appreciate, you know, the help and, you know, that sort of thing. It's fairly, it's fairly low risk on both sides. Um, but the mentor is really kind of doing it out of benevolence, but also like they keep tabs. They'll be like, you know, when I come back and I need something, I'm going to ask you to do this for me. Um, and, and then that's, it's transactional. Um, I think the next level up is somebody that might be a coach or a manager. And I think those people can't be mentors because a coach wants to win the game. A manager needs to meet the goal. They need to help grow their team, but they have a vested interest in the outcome. And if you don't, if you're not, the manager can really like you, but they're going to fire you if you don't do a good job. And then I think like a mentor, it's almost the opposite is that they are emotionally invested in the person. They want to see the person grow, but that person has to be free to make their own mistakes. And I'll be here to help you. But if you're going to get in your own way, then I'm kind of wasting my time or you're wasting my time. Yeah. Like a surrogate father. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. We're back. We're back to that again. Yes. I can't escape it. You just I mean, need to the be one more irresponsible, like I am. Uh, <laughs> uh, you just need to be yeah, like exactly. Nobody, nobody's always, looking for me. You know, it's funny that you say that because my team used to say that. That like you're like our dad, and I would I cared a lot about my team, and I kind of fell between manager, leader, and mentor. Where I did care, I cared in many cases about the individual and their future more than them trying to be stuck with the company. Because there are sometimes I had to help somebody negotiate a job offer to leave my team. And I knew I could either maintain the relationship with this individual, which is important, especially in Silicon Valley, in tech, it's a small valley. It's a small industry. Relationships go way beyond companies. And in many cases, all these people I'm still connected with, and we've worked at, together at other companies, I've invested in their companies, things like that. And so it is trying to say what is best for this person. And if I'm no longer the best place for this person, if the company is no longer the best place for this person, I'm not going to burn that bridge and say, you're out of here, get, I'm going to say, okay, how can I help you? You know, how can I help you land somewhere? It's interesting you say that because I recently, one of, one of a a really good book that I I often reference is called how to be a power connector by uh, Judy Robinette. And she kind of made this observation that between the differences between men and women and how they kind of network within the workforce, men tend to go both up and down the ladder in terms of different development growth. So like you mentioned, Larry, you you were seen as the dad because you wanted to cultivate both younger, probably younger talent as well as your peers. Uh, Women, on the other hand, they do more peer-to-peer networks, but what they do is more vast. So what you might be really good in from the up and down ladder would probably be your circle of focus would probably just be your work, right? or your work situation, um, your career, whereas women would go uh, more vast. They would be uh, peer-to-peer to their church, to their school, to um, a lot of more community, but they don't necessarily go the up and down, which I think is one of the things, uh, this is according to uh, Judy in her book, and this is why she wrote the book, because she wanted to uh, m- have more women be aware that it's both a up and down ladder, not just a, a side to side uh, maneuvering in in relationships. And I think one of the biggest problem. I mean, I know we're going a little off topic here, but one of the biggest problems we see in leadership it's mostly male oriented. And I think the reason for that, 
uh, aside from t how uh, trying to start a family, let's say that's kind of out of the way. Aside from um, on that, the reason why I think more men end up being in leadership positions is because they cultivate uh, relationships up and down, whereas women kind of go side to side where and they're not getting the access to higher up leadership or lower leadership to get those uh, connection points. This is just a theory. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. I, th I think there's there's some elements to that because I, I'm very recently was working with a coaching client. And I think like that's something I do want to get to because people seem are sometimes put off when uh, you expect them to. I mean, Larry, this is your living. Uh, you know, I, I do it sort of I do it as well, but not to the extent that you do. Um, that somebody would pay for that access or pay for that. It seems somehow mercenary, but I think, and there's value in that, but I want to put a pin on that. I want to come back to Anna, what you're saying. I think there's an element there of institutional sexism around gender roles, right? Where, you know, there, there, there is a piece of this where, um, because I found this with women that I've either coached or mentored is that there is this, the the roles aren't as clearly defined on who's a leader and who's 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 what's the path up and that's fairly well defined for men right it's because we've dominated the workforce you know that this is how the system works and you know that that's how the game is played where women haven't had access they used to call it the old boys network right is that like that's the old boys network there's a there's a way to 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 go up in that and so when I, when I coach women, uh, you know, I'll say some of the language that you're using is not leadership language, it's helper language. You're trying to be helpful. You're trying to be helpful to people and peers and you want to lift each other up and, and that sort of thing. But you're all in competition for the same thing. And there's this fear of stepping out and being seen uh, or, or asking for what they want. Like I've had to... You know, I won't say the company that I used to do it at, but I would have to, I would have to push candidates very hard, female candidates very hard to say, I would strongly suggest you counter offer, I don't know, maybe 7% on, you know, like this to get what you want. Right. Because, you know, that, it, it, that's something that I think has to be, it's a learned behavior. It's, I yeah. don't think it's, it's an ingrained behavior, but I think it has to be something that can be unlearned as well, but it takes time. I think one of the biggest things that I've seen in the mentorship world or in the coaching world is that women particularly, it's very easy, at least from my perspective, for me to join women-only groups. But the downside to joining women-only groups is that you kind of have this peer-to-peer -peer mentality where we want to help each other up, but not necessarily coach each other on the correct path to get to the end destination. Like joining joining Larry's group was such a big changer for me because I had been, um, even local networks or, uh, just mixed group networks, but female only group, uh, networks, it was more peer to peer. Like if I was talking about marketing services, people were interested in my marketing services, but they're not necessarily going, Oh, here's who you need to talk to because they've got a job for you. You know what I mean? So it was more of kind of like a, a passing of resources all together, which is great. I mean, there's a time and a place, but if you really want to advance to a, a bigger level or a more fulfilling level, um, 
the different perspectives in the genders has been completely helpful because when I joined Larry's group, I felt like people were, were bringing a hand down. I don't know if this is the right way, but they were like, they were dragging me up to their level instead of just being same level. If that, if this makes sense, you know? And, um, and I think male perspectives have been so helpful for me in that way because um, of what you just said, uh, Trip. It's more of a we help each other, and I, and and historically, I know that for a fact. A lot of my female friends are will help each other. If you need resources, no problem. We'll give you resources. And the male counterparts in my life have been like, no, I'm not helping you. I'm not giving you anything. You are going to get it and because you deserve it or you need to fight for it. You need to get those resources yourself. I don't need to give you or share anything because I've earned this and now you need to go and earn it yourself. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, sorry, go ahead, Larry, because no, you talk say, about the, the like point. leveraging networks a lot. So, I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's, All I think yeah. what Anne is talking about is leveraging networks. Yeah, she absolutely, she is talking about the power of the network. And I think, one of the things I've been trying to encourage people to do is to not be afraid to bring people into your network that you don't feel like you fully understand or they seem unattainable. Um, somebody was recently talking about this and they were saying, oh, I don't I don't feel comfortable reaching out to very senior leaders. I feel intimidated by them. And I said, there are many senior leaders that are extremely approachable, that that want to give back, that want to help. There are some people that are not fine. Write them off. But I think people limit their networks because they feel like, well, I don't want to reach out to people or try to bring them into my network if they're a lot more advanced in their career than I am. And that is one of the biggest mistakes I think people make. They tend to form a network they're comfortable with. And I used to do this too. Um, they form a, a, a network with people of the similar profession. I used to have this huge circle of designer friends. Well, <laughs> designer friends weren't really that helpful for me when I wanted to become a startup founder. They weren't really helpful when I wanted to raise investment and go to the VCs and how do I have that conversation about the business and model out the revenue and the growth and all that kind of stuff. Not that helpful. So I try to tell people is like the most important thing you can do is make your network more diverse. And that includes professions, backgrounds, genders, you name it, and reach higher bring more powerful people into your network. It's going to do so much for your career. And that's, that's exactly why we're talking about this. Yeah. And the, um, there's a very, there's a big difference too, cultural difference, even in the United States between the coast. I was joking with somebody earlier and uh, my, my, one of my brothers is very, very much like this is like, I know a guy, right? So it's, <laughs> it's, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the signature East coast move is that I know a guy. <laughs> Um, but when I have a friend or a colleague that needs help, uh, it's, it's often, it's not like I'm, I'm getting out and, you know, sort of like giving them, giving them a hug or, 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 you know, right, they're out of a job. Right. It's like, I'm immediately looking at my network and saying, yeah. okay, so who, who do I know that can help this person? Or exactly. when I'm meeting exactly. somebody for the first time, um, and I'm hearing about what they do, I'm immediately connecting dots on like, who do I know that can be helpful to this yes. person? Because it's really oh, about yeah. being proactively helpful mm -hmm. that helps you develop that network. Well, I mean, we have a perfect example helpful. in the, in the community, we have somebody who's interested in pursuing a career in accessibility. Mm -hmm. um, and the perfect example is that she became part of our community. She's in our network. Now she's one of us. We want to help her. And I said, Oh, you're interested in accessibility. Would you like to meet 
the head of accessibility at Google. <laughs> I mean, talk about one of the top accessibility experts in the entire world in the tech industry. And she said, you could do that. And I said, yeah, I used to work with her. She's a friend. She's great. And so I made the introduction. And so somebody who was just saying, you know what? I want to get into accessibility. I said, how would you like to meet the top accessibility person? One of the top accessibility people in the entire world. Wow. When do you, when do you get to do that? Mm-hmm. That's the power of this relationship. And it's the power of mentor sponsors, this kind of up leveling your network. It accelerates your career so much more quickly than if you try to go on your own or stick at the same level for so many years. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's like piece of evidence. Number one on you have a good mentor is somebody that is proactively looking for like, mm, okay, I hear what you're saying. Um, I can give you some advice on this, but I think you should go talk to so-and-so because they're the person that knows this really well and can probably tell you more. Uh, So they're, they're creating those connections because I think bad mentors feel like someone's coming to sit at their knee and just learn by what (laughs) they have to say. Yeah. 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 Um, I want to say something that Larry said or uh, previously, which is some people just feel like they don't, they don't deserve or they shouldn't uh, reach out to senior uh, people. And if you're somebody that feels like that, I think I really suggest you sit down and write down like a list of strengths and achievements you've done throughout your career. And that helped me a lot when pitching to more senior people because I know I have tons of marketing experience, tons of copywriting mm-hmm. experience, um, branding experience, and a lot of people don't have that, but they have other se- senior uh, expertise. So you can bring things to the table um, based on what you've done. And it makes it, it makes it a relationship instead of seeing it, oh, this guy's super, super senior. It's You can bring it more down to a level where this is my peer who has been in a different field and I can bring stuff to the table and this person can bring this stuff to the table. So uh, it's a great strategy not to put those types of people on a pedestal because everybody wants, wants to hear, I feel like. Uh, unless they say like no, <laughs> for the most <laughs> part, they're pretty open to hearing about what you've got going on. Well, that's the thing is like, I always tell people, it's like, what's the worst that's going to happen? They say, no. Okay. You know, you reach out to somebody like a Reed Hoffman. Yeah. Maybe he says no, (laughs) you know, maybe he says yes. You don't know. I mean, you're not going to get punished for trying to reach out to someone being ambitious and saying, I'd love to learn something from you. That's fantastic. Don't be afraid to do that. So um, I think this is a great point to pivot into of like, how do you find a mentor and how do you do it right? Because I'm sure we all get those LinkedIn requests where it's like, hey, buddy, uh, check out my new whatever. And you haven't even heard from this person in forever. And that's not exactly the best way to go about building relationships from a cold, quote unquote, network. So well, thoughts. I'm, I'm, I've got one of those faces that I look like a nice guy. Uh, and I am. That's <laughs> a problem. Uh, because I get like what I... Um, I come by it honestly. And my mom was like, this is like, my, my wife was like, why do you adopt so many strays? Like all these people that just sort of end up in your circle that you're helping and you're doing all of this free help that's, for. That's fantastic, and it, man. And yeah. it's something, it's, it's a nice characteristic. You know, it's something that I like about myself, but it's also something where people will take more than what you can give. It doesn't matter how much you have to give. They will always take more. Yeah, and it's and so you have to create, That's true. You have to create boundaries. Um, yeah. And I think the... The ones that are the the ones that are 
the most enjoyable to help because this is really a counterpoint to write down all of the things that you're great at and what you have to offer. It's good to know that because that helps build your confidence on like, I do feel like I have something to add. But more importantly, when you're approaching a mentor, know what you don't have or what you want to learn and be really specific. Because I think, right, right. you know, at conferences and those sorts of things that, you know, I've spoken at conferences, I get approached a lot and people just want to kind of talk and extend it. And they like that special time and they'll keep emailing you and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, okay, this was a good conversation, but I don't, what, what, how can I help you? I can't make this happen for you. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you what, want? <laughs> what specifically do you need me to do? And I'll try to help you if I can, but I can't commit to being this person right. for you. I, that's absolutely true. I think, well, one of the things I want to point out to people is using that exact terminology is doesn't have to be done. And it's kind of weird when someone reaches out, will you be my mentor? You don't have to say that. I think you can have a very specific type of question or something that that's a topic that you want to get more information about. And you reach out to that expert, that person that has that knowledge, that experience. It's a very targeted connection request saying, would you talk with me more about this very specific topic? Like, would you talk with me more about how do you raise funding from investors? Yeah, I'll have a conversation about that. Let the relationship kind of naturally evolve over time. And like Trip was saying earlier, you're going to mature, you're going to change, your needs are going to change. You don't have to specifically say, hey, be my mentor. You can just ask for the kind of information or help that you need, have that conversation. And over time, it'll continue to evolve and you'll have other questions. Yeah. And I mean, it's so easy to do this in the digital age. I mean, on LinkedIn, I cannot tell you how many times I've heard guests on a podcast. I really like what they said. And boom, I go to LinkedIn. I see them. I connect with them. I said, hey, I heard you on so-and-so podcast. I thought you had a really interesting perspective on X, Y, and Z. Wanted to connect. And you know how many times they've said no? Like never, almost never. Um, that or they just don't use LinkedIn. But for the most part, they're very <laughs> because receptive. they're internet famous. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for the most part, you have access to amazing people um, yes. and you can ask them those questions. Um, hey, I heard you on this. I, I read this article. Journalists, anybody can are usually more than open to connecting with with people. And it's easy. Um, the only thing is that you kind of have to make a conscious effort in retargeting or retalking to these people, because, again, it is easy to connect to anybody. But then you also get kind of drowned out with the with right, the crowd right. uh as 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 time goes I think on you've, so you made a really good point is that i can always tell the kind of the bogus request on linkedin and other places from the the legitimate people that want to connect the bogus ones there's a surface level like oh we look like we have a lot of the same people in common in our network or oh. we look like we're in the same business and it's like you oh. didn't even look at my background or who i am and I can immediately just throw them in the spam bucket. The way you get someone's attention is to show, as Anna was saying, you're actually reading their material. You read their book. You have something intelligent to add to the conversation. You have a question that is targeted to exactly what they were saying. I've done this with a couple of authors that I thought were unreachable. I did this on Twitter and I had a very specific targeted conversation with them. And then when I reached out, like one of them, I reached out on LinkedIn. I said, you know, this is, I just finished reading this chapter in your book. I had a question about this. I had some thoughts about it. She said, yes, she connected to me on LinkedIn. And I was like, no way she's going to connect with me. But because I had a real conversation that showed that I had read her material 
instead of I'm your biggest fan, connect with me. <laughs> it's like, stop doing that, people. If you want to get someone's attention and you want to build that relationship, put in the work, spend some time reading their material and have something intelligent to say about it. Yeah. I also think that there's a, there's a piece of it too, where Taylor essentially set reasonable expectations for how high you're going to reach. Right. So for example, uh, you know, you brought up Reed Hoffman, you know, I yes. get a lot of invites from people that are very new in their career in UX, or they're trying to, they're aspiring to get into their career in UX. And I've been doing it for a while and I've been fortunate to work on some big things. Um, that's great. Um, I look way cooler on LinkedIn than I am in real life. Uh, the, <laughs> don't, the, don't we all? The, yeah, exactly. It's because the headshot, you had wind blowing in your hair at the time, huh? Is that how it, <laughs> it went? was a long time ago because I don't have hair anymore. I know. Uh, but, I know. <laughs> Maybe somebody should update that photo there. <laughs> yeah, well, I actually stole it from Fabio. Uh, so, so the, uh, so, so the, uh, but it's almost, it, there's almost a, it's not the fake invite, like, oh, we have so many interests in common and I'm an accountant and you're a designer. And it was like, it's kismet. It's like, no, you know, it's, but they are in the field and mm -hmm. you, they approach you with a question like, well, what's the difference between UX and UI? And it's like, oh God, how much you use Google? You know, <laughs> yeah, ask Google or like, that's somebody like that is maybe a few years into the field and they can explain it much better and maybe clearer for where you're at. And, and I think there's right, also sort of right. a collection. You, you almost feel like LinkedIn Pokemon where it's, it's just like, I'm not your Pikachu, right? Like you can just <laughs> like, just because I'm connected to you doesn't mean like we've got a close relationship. Oh, yeah, and so I think yeah. like there's a, there's an element of that on like, what's the appropriateness and tailoring the question to something that they're, they're going to be interested in. Yeah. The other thing I was going to point out real quick, because you, you bring up a pet peeve of mine, which is. There are certain people, obviously, like at our level that are more approachable than the Reed Hoffmans and the Jeff Wieners of the world and the Jeff Bezos of the world. People will use the people in the middle to get to other people. I can't tell you how many times people, because I'm connected to Jeff Wiener because I worked with him at Yahoo, they would connect with me and say, hey, buddy, now that we're connected, could you introduce me to Jeff Wiener? And I'm like, A, no, I don't know who you are. And B, now you're blocked. And it's like, don't use people to get to other people. Not cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's uh, at the same time, it's very important to guard your networks uh, closely, especially when you have outside um, people, because uh, a bad apple can really tarnish a relationship. As we were speaking about earlier about sponsorships, sponsorships have the 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 most to lose because they are putting their neck out for you, and um. And one of the great ways to kind of build a better re reputation or to get into these kind of like, quote unquote, closed door networks is by having a community. Um, yes. I mean, Larry has been really great at building a great community, but how can somebody who might not even be in UX or, or whatever, because I mean, your group is not for everybody and there's a reason for that. Sure. Um, how can people be conscious in finding these, what seems to be closed door uh, networks of people? that aren't and, scammy. And they often are. Yeah, yeah. The best networks are closed door. They're not open for everybody to join because there are a few of those on, 
on Facebook and LinkedIn, these open groups, and there's like 30,000 people in there. It's just noise. It's a bunch of spammers and it's just, it's useless. I joined a few years ago, immediately left them, totally useless. So it is the closed networks where you have to work your way into the network to have the most value and they're very careful about who they let in. So I think it is helpful to start with individuals that you know and respect already and to have that conversation to say, do you know of any networks that provide value of this sort or the kind of information you're seeking or it's a network of these types of professionals? And you may not hear anything. They might say, oh, I don't know of anything. But as you continue to work these relationships and get to know people, sooner or later, someone's going to say, yeah, I'm a member of this community. I'll invite you in. Yeah. And I mean, it might even start off small. It could just be between you and three other friends. And then it just grows between. That's a good point. Between that, you know, yeah. it doesn't have to necessarily be a quote unquote community or a network. Um, That's why I built mine. I couldn't yeah. find one that fit exactly what I was looking for. So I built one. Find. Yeah. Well, yeah. And what we're talking about is really monkey brain 101. I mean, these are all social group dynamics, um, sort of tribal connection. Um, you know, there's a, there's a degree of trust. Trust is the currency and the entry fee that you get, you know, it's your cover charge for getting in, into some of these networks. So there are ways to start working your way into this. Uh, you know, if you share a, the same school, like if you went to the, you know, somebody says, yeah. Oh, the, their old school that, that meant that <laughs> they went to the Literally. same school together, you know, like that, that you've, there's yeah. a connection there as alumni. And if you overlapped or you worked at the same company, you know, yeah. you'll see people that fly their flag, former Amazon, former Facebook, former Google Yeah. years after they've worked there, uh, that it is, that is, they're still flying their tribal, their tribal flag. Um, and so how do you connect with that and say, Hey, one former Amazonian to another, you know, if it was my, you know, or, Hey, we were both at Amazon. Did you know? So-and-so I wanted to ask you a question. Uh, and that, that you have to look for ways where you do have a common ground and you're, it's not a cold call. Uh, cause that's the most effective way to start building some of those things up. And that will start getting you the invites. There's also things like lunch club, Larry, you do lunch club. I've done lunch club, yeah. you know, that's like good. That that's helpful. I mean, what you want to describe it a little bit? Yeah. I mean, you can sign up. Um, I think it's lunchclub.ai, if I remember the, the URL correctly. Uh, but you can show what you're interested in. So you basically fill out your own profile. It's kind of a really lean version of your LinkedIn profile. Um, and then you indicate the kind of relationships you're interested in forming. Are you looking to partner with people? Are you looking to connect with somebody who's going to be in a mentoring relationship with you? But you describe what you're looking for in terms of those connections. And then they start to basically pair people up or people can also re request to meet with you and you set up a short meeting. It's a short video chat, get to know people. It's a great way to kind of do that coffee networking. That's hard to do now that we're, we're all working at home. And it's, it's invite only tip. I mean, you have, you can apply to, to be right, accepted, right. right. But it's really like once you're in, you can invite other people in, but you're then you've, you've sponsored them. Right? Exactly. I mean, that's like yes. how old clubs, that's how country clubs work. You need to be yeah. sponsored in and you get these little coins where, you know, you do this and you get, you get a coin and then you can <laughs> use those coins to buy access to, I'd like a meeting with this person because this person's right, a venture right. capitalist or this person is a founder or this person, you know, these are the types of opportunities that I'm looking for. And it's really about, 
are you creating interesting conversations in here or are you adding value to the network? So, I mean, I think just to kind of wrap things up, you know, from my perspective, some of the things that we've shared, I always tell people up level your network, you know, think about where you want to be next and in the future in your network, where you're trying to go with your career and realize that where you were before is not going to get you there. You need to get people into your network. They're going to help you advance, help you learn, help connect you, introduce you to, to hiring managers and CEOs and investors, if that's what you're interested in. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to reach out and reach up and start to increase the power of your network. It's really important. Yeah, I would say that coming from uh, a different perspective, I mean, I feel like a lot of minorities don't have access to these groups because they feel like it's closed doors. And like Larry just said, it is a closed door network. And um, you 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 think back on the history or family history, a lot of a lot of minorities come from uh, immigrant families. And when they come to a new country, they don't have the support networks that we're kind of accustomed to if you've been born and raised there for generations upon generations of time. So I think there's also a kind of a, a society or a mentality that we have sometimes, speaking for myself, because I am an uh, uh, immigrant, um, where it's kind of we have to we have to chip at the ladder or sorry, we have to chip at the, the mountain by ourselves in order for us to get anywhere when really we got to look around us. And, and like you said, Larry, up up level, talk to people and see where the closed doors are to get access into them. Yeah, good one. Good point. I, I think that and it's one of the things our, our, our upcoming guest, um, uh, uh, Christopher. Uh, Lafayette. Yeah, sorry. Uh, our upcoming guest, Christopher. What would you Lafayette. do without me, Trip? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I would fumble a lot more. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we're we're going to be talking about that issue because I think yeah. um, you know one of the things, Anna, you mentioned is that there's a there's a piece of this where yeah, it is a closed network and it does seem exclusive and elitist or whatever. But when I when I look at like my network, my network really started with where I went to high school. I went to a all boys Catholic high school and that was formed with, that was Irish immigrant families because we weren't allowed into the other schools. And then slowly over time that built into its own network. So those communities that help one another grow up, you know, it's always ironic to me in this day and age where you see like Irish or Italian Americans, like talking about immigrants and be like, Whoa, where'd you come from? Because there, there's a, there's a, there's a piece of that is like, how do you find that mutual support and aligned goals? We're going to get there together. Um, so Anna kind of put it back on you. Like you successfully found a great mentor in, uh, you know, uh, in a different country, Larry. mind you, <laughs> a different country, completely remote. You found sponsorship in that group right? Mm -hmm. We connected through that group and, and, you know, here we are doing a podcast now and we've helped one another. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what was it like, just tell me about like what's changed in your perspective in that path, because like, that's more recent for you. Yeah. You know, I always knew that I, that your network is key, but I had such a hard time finding the network. Um, I would do it. I'm really good in, in person, networking in person, but the types of connections that I was getting at, you know, your chamber of commerce was not the kind of things that I was 
looking for, you know? Um, right, so it, right. it was a long, I feel like it was a somewhat longish journey to getting from here to, to there. And I feel like it was a bit of a, a chance, honestly. It's, I, I knew Larry was, uh, a career mentor. He's done a lot of success. I knew him from a Facebook group, honestly. Uh, <laughs> and that's right. Uh, and that was years ago. And, um, I, you know, we were connected and I always see him post stuff. And then uh, I came into like career challenges and I was like, who, who can help me with this? And Larry was the first person that came to mind. So what is my experience? It's like I knew I've needed help uh, to get to where I want to go. I just couldn't see or find the right people. And I, it, despite trying and trying and trying. And um, it's not until, I guess, honestly, about a year and a half ago where I read that book, How to Be a Power Connector by Judy Robinette on how to actually uh, build strong relationships. It, it talks more about in-person stuff, but this still can be translated what I said with LinkedIn, reaching out, being more proactive. Whenever I hear a podcast episode, I'll email the host and say, that was an amazing episode. It, it takes five seconds and it it goes a long way because not many people receive those emails. So even when I read a newsletter, I mean, I was reading Larry's newsletter, the free ones for a long time. And I would message him going, Hey, that was really good. And yeah. <laughs> it's, it's super easy to do that, to build those relationships. Um, but you just need a conscious effort and a little bit of organization so that you're not super burned out messaging everybody uh, you, you consume content for. Right. Right. And I want to put a bow on that because I, I had a very similar connection to Larry. We met, you know, I've mentioned before, like we met speaking at the same conference and I was at a point in my career where I was frustrated. You know, I'd come up through design and I'd hit what I call the Pantone ceiling where it's harder <laughs> for designers to get beyond a certain point in their career. What color is that? It's all the colors. It's all Pantone. the colors. Right? It's all the colors. It's rainbow colored and very hard. Um, the, the, um, but the, yeah, it's easy to taste a rainbow when you keep smacking up against it. Uh, so you should be a Skittles sponsor, man. Yeah. Absolutely. Sponsor exactly. Skittles. So, uh, but I, I had this, you know, we were at this conference and I was talking to Larry and he'd been through this and had broken through and had, you know, it was a number of years ahead of me in my career. So had this great advisory conversation, you know, sort of a casual mm -hmm. advisory. We, we talked a couple of times over the weekend and really, and, uh, really opened my eyes to some things. And then I had an opportunity to come back to the West coast and I talked to him about it and got his advice mm -hmm. and that was great. Um, but it was sort of like, okay, we've had this thing. I've, I've helped you. And then I hit another wall a few years later and I came back to him and Larry had really spun up his coaching yeah. and it felt weird to approach somebody saying, look, I help people all the time and I don't, pay them. Right. But like, what, what did I, why am I paying yes. for this? And it was weird, but, um, it was the best thing I ever did, uh, yeah. because it actually helped me. It was very targeted and specific and it was much more like, okay, so you're paying me to tell you how to make you better at what you're and and get out of your own way. Stop doing this, this, right. this, and right. start doing right. this, this, and yeah. this. And it was much more actionable and a lot less fuzzy and, and yeah. Larry's a warm, fuzzy guy, but sometimes pretty direct. <laughs> if you're paying I, and it was me, what, I have to be direct. Yes. Right. And it's what I, it's what I needed. And that's, that's something where, as I've started taking on coaching clients, it's been a similar sort of mm -hmm. like turn. It's just like, 
I need, you need to stop paying me money because I'm not helping you. And this isn't a good use of our time. Right. right so it's, it's right. a, it's a, it's a definite, it's a definite shift. So, you know, you have that gradient of being helpful in a quick conversation, taking on somebody under your wing, sponsoring them. And then actually when you can't find it, go find somebody that is worth, it's like getting your house renovated, getting your career yes, renovated is, is worth investing in. Yeah. That's a good point. So I would welcome all of you who are listening. If you're struggling with this, if you're trying to figure out where do I find people to connect with, how do I figure out how to find a mentor and advisor, you want more advice, you can reach out to us. You know, feel free to connect with us. We'd love to have the rest of you who are listening give us a rating and review. It means a lot. It really helps us. Send in your questions. We've done a lot to address people's questions that they send into the podcast and do entire shows about it. We'd love to hear from you. Anna, where can they learn more about us? Uh, we have a website. We actually have two called yes. uh, the thebraveworkforce.com and bravenewcompanies.com. Both you can access or email me at Anna at either of those two uh, company domains. So Great. Fantastic. So uh, this is Trip. Anna and Larry saying, have a great week and keep putting one foot in front of the other. Better days are ahead.